0: That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at microsoft.com AI for all. The
1: following program is a production of Chilling Entertainment and the creative team at Chilling Tales for Dark Nights and a proud member of the Simply Scary Podcast Network. Visit simplyscarypodcast.com to learn more about this and our other weekly storytelling programs and become a patron today to show your support and get instant access to our extensive archive of downloadable ad-free tales of terror thank you for listening and enjoy the show if darkness is what you're after seek no more your search is through you haven't found the darkness traveler the darkness has found you Welcome to Season 3, Episode 1. I'm your host, Jason Hell, and I'm thrilled you could join me tonight. Oh, how I have missed you all so much. How long has it been? Feels like forever. But, you're here now. And while we could amuse ourselves with wistful wanderings down memory lane, I'll bet you're just itching to get back in the saddle and too better to guide us down this dusty trail of terror than one of my favorite desperados of dark comedy, Jeff Sturdivant. You're listening to the Standard Edition of this program. If you'd like to show your support and enjoy ad-free versions of this and all our other episodes, as well as hundreds of tales for our audio archives dating back to 2012, visit simplyscarypodcast.com and click Patrons in the upper menu to sign up today... to get instant access from our friends at Chilling Tales for Dark Nights. Thank you for your support. Now... allow me to escort you to a place where the sun dies... and nightmares come to life... where those who seek the darkness need look no further. Welcome, listener... to the Horror Hill. You haven't found the darkness... The darkness has found you. We'll be kicking off Season 3 with one hell of a bang. Our story tonight follows the adventures of a two-man cleaning crew who handle only the messiest jobs and always make a killing. Without further ado, from author Jeff Sturdevant, I give you... The Technicians Part 1 Technician 1 How's it going? Technician 2 Eh, can't complain Technician 1 Another day in paradise, huh? Technician 2 Another day, another dollar Technician 1 Eh, what are you gonna do, right? And so on. It's enough to make you vomit. And coming from a guy with a job as utterly disgusting as mine, those are strong words. For all the useless things I learned in school, geometry, chemistry, trig, trig 2, chemistry 2, etc. They never taught me what I really needed to know. Why? Because the world was our oyster. Truth is, there are two ways an average guy can make a living wage these days: to do a job other people can’t do, because their papers don’t say they're qualified to do it, or a job other people don’t want to do. The can't dos are for the college grads with the insight to enter the fields that fit the jobs of the age. The don't wanna dos are guys like me, guys who thought their studies would give worth to their futures, rather than their futures giving worth to their studies. Guys who expected great big pearls to fall out of that proverbial oyster and land in their laps. So, here I am, a college graduate, listening to this prattle, the dullard's morning mantra. What are you gonna do, indeed? Me? I'm thirty-five years old, a veteran of decent-paying, don't-want-new-jobs. Do At some point, I found myself providing for a wife and four-year-old twin girls. It all snuck up on me like a terminal illness. The wife lost all respect for me long ago. The girls are too young to lose respect for me yet, but they'll learn to in time. Your efforts to be a provider may initially entitle you to some appreciation, but this rule is written in water. Observe, youngsters. There are no oysters. There are no pearls. Or, as Oscar Wilde might have told you, the world was your oyster, young millennials. But you used the wrong fork. My partner, Fernando, is another one of us do not want to dos but he happens to be an exceptional one. I spend a great deal of my day with the guy. He's a character, always smiling and shaking his head the way he does, as though the more absurd it all gets, the more amused he is. The accent is good, too, the kind of unabashed Spanish accent where R's are rolling all over the place. Really? You gotta like the guy. 44 years in the books, still fighting to be good-natured, he still cares about stuff. The quality of his work, his family, getting home for what he calls Love Night on Wednesdays. Love Night is sacred to Fernando. I respect it, but I can't relate to it. For a lovely tech like myself, Fernando does some inspired work. If a man is called to be a street sweeper, he should sweep streets even as Michelangelo painted... Or Beethoven composed music. Or Shakespeare wrote poetry. Etc. That was Martin Luther King Jr. Talking about my partner, Fernando. Yes, I know, Fernando. Me and my quotes. Now that I'm a street sweeper myself, I like that one a whole lot less than I used to. Still, I'm lucky to work under the tutelage of the great Fernando. Stand on the shoulders of giants. Isn't that what they say? Once we get out of the building and onto the road, we have an alright time together. That's really all you can hope for, to have an alright time. What are you gonna do, you ask? Here's the answer. Follow the 43 methods, have an alright time, and go fart in your lunch pail. It's the middle of May. There's a haze of pollen on the windshield where the wipers can't reach. That constant itch in the crooks of your eyes, right in the armpits of your eyes... And that faint feeling in the back of your throat like you're getting sick all the time. Springtime in New Jersey is the drizzling shits. Fernando, chipper as always, seems to be immune to the pollen. Maybe it's that little mustache of his that filters it out. So, we're on the turnpike, 9.20 in the morning. So your mom is Jewish, or your dad is Jewish, Asked Fernando. His little mustache is crooked again this morning. He always manages to shave one side a little shorter than the other. Just enough so I end up staring at him with mild irritation over lunch. For a guy so detail-oriented, his mustache maintenance is... haphazard. My mom is Jewish, I say. Was Jewish. Your mom was Jewish, so that means you're Jewish. That's what they say. Hmm. You do not look Jewish. <laughs> He glanced over to confirm his suspicion. Eyes on the road, Fern. And you're right, I don't look Jewish. I've got that going for me. Why is that? What do Jews look like? You've just said I don't look like a Jew, so you must have some frame of reference. Huh, big nose, afro hair, stuff like that, right? Harry. That sounds like you, Fern. Fernando looks down at his hairy arms. My god. I am the Costa Rican Jew. The GPS says to take Pembroke Avenue. Fernando taps at the screen. It's been a while since we were down this way. So, what are we doing in a shitty truck? I ask. Going to work, man. Very funny. I mean, what are a couple of Jewish boys doing driving around in a shitty truck without air conditioning? We're supposed to have those suit and tie jobs, aren't we? Someone's got to do the real work, bro. He billows the heat from his shirt. The only thing separating you from the heat of the engine in these trunks is a plate of aluminum, which gets to approximately the temperature of the sun. The heat from the diamond plate flooring goes right through your boots. Some mystery bolt tinks from the undercarriage and spins in the wheel well and rolls down Pembroke Avenue. I hear it all the time. One day, some important bolt will fall off and we'll go rolling down the road ourselves. So, how's the family? Asks Fernando. The family? Fine, I guess. Kids are fine. Hmm. That's good, man. Yeah. Kids are fine. How old are they again? Four? Just turned four? Man, time flies, bro. No kidding. How about you and the missus? Asks Fernando. Mm, Who knows. You gotta stay good with her, bro. Gotta work at it. Know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean, but... Come on already, I give her all my money, isn't that enough? Nah, bro, you gotta give it to her. You gotta give it to her, man. He does his best humping gesture from a driving position. Give it to her. Well, She doesn't want it, trust me. Man, he shakes his head. We've been through this a million times, at least every Wednesday. The guy just isn't ready to give up on me. The engine backfires and another mystery screw tinks in the undercarriage. A Hispanic guy watches from the curb. I meet eyes with him in the mirror. Then he's gone. Fernando mercifully changes the subject. Hey, do you know they're bothering me to get new uniforms again? The pleats in my polyester work pants are still crisp. Ferns are worn paper thin, several shades lighter red than mine. Save for the faint stains the original color was intended to hide. It takes a lot of washes to get these heavy duty work clothes worn comfortably thin. And he turned away every uniform requisition form for nearly a decade. Haven't they for years? Yeah, they never learn, bro. Look at this, man. Look how thin it is. He pinches his sleeve between thumb and forefinger. You can see the light through it. Yeah, I know. You've showed me. Gotta stay comfortable, man. I dry clean these. If I put them in the washer, I'm afraid they'll fall apart. You dry-clean them? Yeah, man. Isabella thinks I'm crazy. I think she's got a point. Fernando chuckles. That's messed up, man. You're supposed to be on my side here. He slaps my thigh. Didn't feel it, I say. My pants are too thick. You see that, man? I told you. Traball's gonna be sweating. Observe, Youngsters. That's what I took away from my college education. Sweaty balls. The GPS says to stay right at the fork. In another mile we'll make a left on 13th Street. In another five miles is North Avenue, then Maple Street. That's where the job is. Fernando glances over. So, you gonna lead this one? I look at him and yawn. Suddenly I'm not so tired. The lead? You mean, um... I wasn't planning to. Gotta do it sometime, you know. I considered it a moment. A million scenarios run through my mind. All bad ones. Why don't we have a look first? We don't need to decide now. Man, what a rookie. Big, small, same thing. You know that. Yeah, so they say. But this is veteran thinking. That size isn't a factor... I tend to think if you haven't quite mastered the finesse that only comes with years of experience, you're probably better off learning in more forgiving conditions. This is greeny stuff, admittedly, but after eight months I'm still pretty green. And come on, I'm not supposed to be a technician. I'm supposed to be a novelist. Or a professor. Something like that. You know how it is, I say. Let's not play make-pretend idealism. Yeah, yeah, I know... All we'll right, check it out first. I'm yet to lead a job. The first guy I'd partnered up with was a 17-year vet who'd since retired. That was an easy one, though. An old lady whose alarm didn't work. All we needed was a wire. The next was with Fernando, also a disabled alarm. And all we needed was a screwdriver. Still, I'd been nervous. It takes time to make all the methods second nature and this is critical for the split-second decisions needed to improvise on the go. It's a principle of the job. Methodology, principle number three. Improvisation in unexpected conditions. Making quick decisions and executing them correctly depends a lot on these details. Same as a painter would tape carefully over woodwork, or a carpenter would measure twice before cutting a board. Fernando's experience is most obvious in the job's subtleties including his own finicky little preferences, his insistence on a soft, worn-out uniform shirt, and thin-soled sneakers. Steel-toed boots were the industry standard, but you can't feel your feet on the ground, he'd explained to me. Important for leverage and control. He even takes the insoles out of his shoes. Fernando isn't exactly a physical specimen. He relies heavily on technique, also a principle of the job. The first, in fact... Methodology principle number one, technique first. Also commonly described, technique, technique, technique. We pull up to 5664 Maple Street at 10.05 a.m. All right, so what do we have here? Asks Fernando. He hadn't even glanced at the work order. With experience, the techs become comfortable enough to walk into a job cold, confident they can handle whatever it is. They constantly drill it into our brains to always be prepared, but veteran guys like Fern seem to rely more on their instincts. I typically won't give him any info besides the address until we get there, and he decides our approach on the spot. Flustered as always, I fumble through the itinerary to find some specifics. All right, here it is, Harold Chapman, 5664 Maple Street. Says he's expecting the carpet cleaners. Big wine stain in the living room. Shit. We got the carpet cleaners, right? Yeah, man, we're all good. All right. So, that's all I got. Remind me to thank dispatch for the generous details. He releases his seatbelt. So, what do you think? You want to try it or what? My heart starts going. It always did to some degree, but now it was really going. I don't know, man. Maybe not. I'll back up. Man, you gotta try soon, you know? Yeah, I know, I say. Now isn't the time. There's no description or anything. I know what you're gonna say. Size doesn't matter. But I'd rather know. Okay. You just really pay attention, alright? Gotta learn something new every time. You got it, Fern. Alright, man. He checks the mirrors, then opens the door and rolls out. Fern isn't exactly a fat guy, but strangely proportioned. Like a big bowling pin. He walks like one, too. A goofy, waddling way about him that might lead you to believe he can't move the way he does. But when he needs to, he can really move. I get out and shut the door and slide open the side door and grab the carpet cleaner. I wonder if the thing even works. The cord is wound tightly around the handle and tucked to the coil like a noose. What are you bringing? I say. Me? Screw driver. You sure? Shit, man, if I can't fix it with a screwdriver, nobody can fix it. He chuckles his mischievous chuckle. Fernando always pronounces screwdriver with at least five syllables. Nervous as I am, I have to grin. I lift the carpet cleaner out and let it clunk onto the pavement. Fernando's work phone rings. He flips it open and puts it to his ear. Yo, he holds up a finger for me to wait, and I lean there on the carpet cleaner. The street is empty. No one in the windows. A few moments later, Fern's head is shaking. Man, you gotta be kidding me. We just got here. I told you you shouldn't have sent him out alone. Yeah? (sighs) We're in the middle of a job right now, yes? Alright. Sure, I'll let you know. Alright, bye. He snaps the phone shut and drops it in his pocket. He looks pissed. What is it? Your buddy Alex went out by himself and made a mess. We gotta help post-job. Alex isn't my buddy. That's just how Fernando makes it clear that someone isn't his buddy. He's always your buddy. What happened? I don't know, man. You don't have his number, do you? A message came in a dispatch through the system. Alex won't use his phone for work. Nobody has his number. Where is he? Orange Oaks, about 45 minutes. I told her we're in the middle of something. If we stall, maybe she'll send someone else. He sighs. Damn it. Isabella's gonna be pissed if I'm late for love night. Pissed. Fernando had explained to me several times that Wednesday was his and his wife's love night. That's what he calls it anyway. And in case you're wondering, yes, it's exactly what it sounds like. Corny as it sounds, there's also something enviable about Fernando's little midweek holiday. My wife doesn't even look at me unless she has to. If it weren't for the kids, I'm pretty sure she wouldn't have anything to do with me at all. He flips his famous screwdriver the way he does, the flathead flashing in the sunlight, and tucks it in his belt. He could have been a bartender. All right, let's go. Got the glove? Yeah, got it. Okay, let's do this fast. Maybe we can hurry up and get back on schedule. I'm always in awe of Fernando's apparent comfort before a job. Never any sign of nerves. The same goofy, wobbly walk, side to side on his thin-soled sneakers. We approach the door. I put the heavy machine down and ring the bell. She always gives me shit when I'm late on Wednesday. I tell her there's nothing I could do about it, but she doesn't care. Then, I gotta hear it. The door opens. There he is. Harold Chapman. Big guy. Maybe six foot four. Maybe 250 pounds. A big boy. ''Mr. Chapman, how are you this morning?'' says Fernando. ''Thank you for coming on such short notice. This stain is just an eyesore.'' He pulls the door all the way open and steps back. Fern grins at me. He knows exactly what I'm thinking and yes, I'm glad I passed on leading this one. ''No problem at all. I understand, sir.'' Mr. Chapman motions for us to come in. Fernando goes in first and I follow, yanking the carpet cleaner over the door sill.'' Chapman winces, as though I might damage the fine piece of woodwork by doing so. I notice Fernando eyeballing our surroundings as we enter. Methodology principle number 20. Awareness of surroundings. A spill in the living room, right over here. Chapman leads us to the stain, a darker, browner one that I'd expect from wine. Can you believe what that cunt did to my rug? He says. Thirty-year-old bottle of Chianti. I don't know what I was thinking when I married her. He turned to face us, his cheeks mottled red. So, can you get rid of it? I take my glove out of my pocket and put it on. Chapman watches me queerly for a moment, but returns his look to Fernando. Oh yeah, I can clean it, no problem. And, uh, hey, is that an expensive shirt? All Chapman has on is a white undershirt, but he glances down to check anyway. That's all the time it takes. Fernando plants his heel, pulls the screwdriver, and lunges on his right leg. He wields the tool like a fencing sword, and with only the minimum effort necessary, he pushes the screwdriver into Mr. Chapman's eyeball. Methodology Principle Number One Technique, Technique, Technique The eyes are the windows to the soul, they say, but to poppers like Fernando, the eyes are just a fast track to the frontal lobe. Mr. Chapman doesn't scream. They never do. It's that short moment of preposterous confusion that allows us to subdue him quietly. The male gloved left hand goes over Mr. Chapman's mouth, my left instep on his calf, and my right arm around his neck. The first time I'd attempted this maneuver, I didn't position my foot properly on the calf, and the man came down backwards on top of me. Fortunately, he was half the size of Mr. Chapman here. This time, technique is crucial. Technique, technique, technique. I bend the knee, maintaining my center of gravity and Fernando scoops out the right leg with his ankle. His arms flail, instinctively reaching to cushion his fall. This is key. We get him down expertly, very gently for a man of Chapman's size. And Fernando straddles him with his knees, pinning the upper arms, and turns his attention to the screwdriver again. There we go. You're okay, bro. He says to Mr. Chapman as he thumps in the screwdriver with the heel of his hand. He always offers the subjects this kind of consolation. It isn't part of methodology. He's just trying to be pleasant about it. With a good last thump, the screwdriver breaks through the eye socket and sinks to the hilt. Fernando had done it so fast. Chapman hadn't even had time to protest. You see how I'm using the eye socket for leverage, man? I nod. Round and round. You okay, buddy? Okay, almost done. The stainless steel flathead screwdriver is Fernando's favorite tool, which he grinds and polishes extra sharp at the tip. It's a round, barreled screwdriver, so he can smoothly work the shaft around the circular rim of the eye socket. The edges of a square, barreled screwdriver grind in the bone and tend to shred the eyelids, he'd to me, and cause undue blood spillage. Methodology Principle Number 11 Avoidance of messes before they happen. Fernando churns the brains. Mr. Chapman wiggles his arms and legs, but these are involuntary reflexes, no threat to either of us. Satisfied that the brain is sufficiently disorganized, I remove my glove from over Mr. Chapman's mouth. Methodology Principle Number 9 Proper Safety Precautions. It isn't long before all movement stops. Mr. Chapman is quite sufficiently dead. The next step is to ensure we've made no mess, and if we have, to clean it up. Hold that steady, bro. I hold the screwdriver in place while Fernando tilts Mr. Chapman to check if he had urinated. If he had, he'd quickly remove the pants to keep from messing the carpet. If he hadn't, he wasn't going to urinate any soon. He obviously hadn't shit his pants. When they do that, it's obvious right away. To Fernando, this is the most distasteful part of the job. Did he make peepee? I ask. Nah, looks good. Hold that steady. A lifeless human head is more unwieldy than you'd think. Particularly a big one. If I let it go, it will tilt over and spill its liquefied contents onto the rug. I've only made this mistake once. And the result was unpleasant enough to teach me my lesson. Fernando's phone rings again and he gets goofily to his feet. Just hold him steady for a minute, man. Don't spill that. I got it. Fernando frowns at the phone and holds it to his ear like it's something filthy. It's the office again. Yeah, yeah, we're post-jobbing the in place. Hey, you know we have that stakeout later, right? We can't just drive all over New Jersey helping people out, man. He stands listening for a moment. I can hear the dispatcher's cool, reasonable tone in the receiver. Bro, I don't know what your buddy did, but they want us to break off right away and go help him. You mean leave this here? I said. But he was listening to the dispatcher again, with a finger in his other ear. I looked down at the body of Mr. Chapman next to his wine stain. If he'd only known why his wife really spilled that Chianti on the carpet, hmm. Soon, she'd have enough money to buy all the old Chianti she wanted. And, at the end of the day, Fern will be able to afford a nice bottle for love night. Me? Me? I'll have plenty for my six-pack. Chapman will have no trouble waiting for us to get back and post-job, but the idea of leaving a body behind on a Tier 1 is highly off the book, the same as an unfinished job, an act of neglect, subject to discipline, even discharge. Fernando is pacing through the living room now. I'm no veteran of PHA, but I've been there long enough to know what this conversation's about without hearing both sides of it. Fernando, the dispatcher, and Alex are all trying to cover their asses. Claire, back at the office, needs us to break off and help Alex immediately, but doesn't want to say it outright. Because she'd be advising us to work against Principle 19. Methodology Principle number 19. No job left uncompleted. Fernando knows that, and has no problem disregarding Principle 19 as long as it's by way of the greater Principle 4. Methodology Principle number 4 work as directed as far as alex goes he's in some serious predicament and likely at fault for it he put up a big red flag but sent it into the system without telling claire exactly what's wrong claire knows this and stands to be blamed for not handling the situation properly if things go south claire also knows that alex is being quiet because a little help might alleviate the whole situation and no reports will need to be filed and nobody will be in trouble but for all of this to go smoothly at least one of them has to put their ass on the line and it's not going to be fernando i'll break off claire but only if you tell me to bro i'm not going unless you're officially directing me to so what do you want me to do he rolls his eyes at me my arms are getting tired mr chapman is head like a watermelon i can feel the stew sloshing around in his skull thank you see was that hard don't worry I'll leave matches in the mailbox. Yes, yes. All right, I'll let you know. Okay. Bye. He closes the phone and puts it in his pocket. From his other pocket, he produces a book of matches and kneels down and puts it in Chapman's pocket. He doesn't say anything. I can tell he's annoyed. So much for Principal 19, I say. I know, man. Fernando paces around annoyedly for a moment. Oh, you see how I push with my back foot? From the heel to back foot. You see why I like sneakers? Yeah, we saw. Good. I hold Chapman's head steady while Fern grabs a roll of black tape and a rag and we pack the rag into his empty eye socket and rip lengths from the roll of tape and paste them over his eyes, sealing it shut. Still, I take two brass bookends from a nearby shelf and set each one next to each other. They should keep his head nice and straight until we get back but the rag and tape will prevent a leak if they don't. Okay, man. Let's go see what's going on with your buddy. He seems to be lightening up already. I'm glad for that. On the way out, Vern drops a matchbook on the front stoop and kicks it over so the PHA letters are visible. Then we get in the truck and punch the address for Alex's job in the GPS and leave. The way things are going so far, Love Night is far from certain.
0: or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com.
1: This episode of Horror Hill is brought to you by BetterHelp. Well, there they go. Those last dying rays of summer sunlight. The shadows lengthen, the days shorten. A cold wind stirs dried leaves in the dead of night under a bone white moon grinning sinister and my absolute favorite time of the year oh my god i love october isn't it the best only problem with october is that it ends and i've always struggled with the winter months i get down like real down that's why i packed up my microphone and moved out west all those years ago But if seasonal depression is as much of an issue for you as it was for me, BetterHelp is always there for you, no matter where in the country you hang your parka, no matter what might be interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist that you could be communicating with in under 48 hours providing a broad range of expertise available, which may not be locally available in many areas. Now, BetterHelp is not a crisis line, and it's not self-help. It is professional counseling done securely online to help you achieve that long-term happiness that is your basic human right. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor from all over the world. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses, plus, You can schedule weekly video or phone sessions and say goodbye to that uncomfortable waiting room and that vapid issue of Time magazine, posing the question, can dogs be used to sniff out bitcoins? BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit BetterHelp.com Hill. That's Better H-E-L-P and join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they are recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. And don't forget this special offer for Horror Hill listeners. And get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com hill. One more time, that's betterhelp.com hill. Thank you for your support of this program and of the sponsors that make it possible. Part 2 We're mostly quiet on the way to Orange Oaks. Dreading the mess that awaits us at Alex's job. The adrenaline from the chapin job had run its course and now I'm tired again. I've been sleeping terribly lately. Most nights I just pass out on the couch. Ashley watches her shows in the bedroom. And I sit, drinking my beer in the living room. Sometimes I watch TV. Sometimes I read magazines. Last night I just kind of sat there. That's just the way things are right now. Fernando has been rubbing his bald scalp. Take this out, man. Keeping his eyes on the road, he tilts his head to show me a fresh scab on top, about the size of a quarter. Ouch. What happened? Dude, I was hammering some nails sticking up on the floorboards back down, and of course, Angelica wants to help me. So I'm down there, and she's helping with his little ball-peen hammer I had from somewhere, and she goes, Daddy, I'm Handy Manny. Some cartoon she likes. Anyway, the hammer hits me before I can even look up. I see stars. I go down. I don't know how long I was out. I get up and <sighs> get this. She's watching Handy Manny. You were knocked out. How cold, man! I swear these kids are trying to kill me. Sometimes. I still have a scar from the paint stripper. Hmm. I remember that one. I wish I didn't, man. I remember this. He lifts up his pant leg to show the hairless mound of scar tissue. With the broomstick and the spokes, that one knocked me out too, man. Jesus, how many times have you been knocked unconscious? Eh, a dozen maybe. When I like ten from the kids. What's the saying? How sharper than a serpent's tooth is to have a thankless child? Fern looks sideways at me. Chewing your quotes, man. English is Fernando's second language. Sometimes it takes him a second to work out a sentence with unusual syntax. Shit, man, says Fern. I don't think they're thankless. I just think they're trying to kill me. The GPS tells us our destination is on the left. As we pull up in front of the house, I see Alex's truck backed into the driveway, the bulkhead door wide open. He must be in there. If he isn't, he's blatantly disregarding Principle 18, an act subject to discipline. Methodology Principle 18 Vehicle Security. Fernando parks the truck and they get out and approach the vehicle. I knock gently on the hood, and Alex's head pops up in the cargo area. He must have been cooping back there for a while. Not a good sign. He slides the door open and invites us in. Even in the dark of his new uniform clothes, you can see he's soaked in sweat and blood. Jesus, I'm glad to see you guys. There's blood in the whiskers of his chin. He'd been struck in the lip. What's the matter, man? He he just kept coming. I couldn't get him down. You didn't butterfinger it, did you? I say. No! He didn't get away! He's dead, but... Jesus! Head like a... I don't even know. Alex was exhibiting all the symptoms of what PHA techs call blood fever. A major league freakout after a messy job. This is forgivable. There isn't a technician I know of that is innocent of freakouts. Even Fernando had lost it a few times in his fledgling years. We all have stress-related dreams about work, too. It's something about burning nasty chemical images in the brain with adrenaline as a kind of catalyst. Or, at least that's how it was explained to me. Just shock talk, really. My own dreams are the nervous type. A recurring nightmare of mine is driving all the way back to headquarters and realizing I'd forgotten to pick up a body. Another is that I'd taken a nap and slept right through my lunch break. In these dreams, I'll wake up past sundown with a full barrel in the back and two incomplete jobs. The dreams diminish as time goes on, but I still have one or two a week, and Fernando is never in them. In my nightmares, I'm always alone. Sounds like we got a mess in there, man. God, yeah! You guys have a carpet cleaner, right? Yeah, we got one. Thank Christ. What did you use? Fernando asks him. Alex's silence was telling... After a long moment came the admission. A Louisville slugger, he says. The customer requested it, suggests Fern. Occasionally, the customer wants to choose the manner of death, and a technician is selected according to their personal preference. Luckily, these kinds of thematic requests are rare, while three of us know the truth, that Alex had been careless. Fern is just busting balls. No, I, I just... um. <coughs> It usually works fine, you know? One, maybe two lumps. Alex is a three-year guy. Not green, but certainly not beyond a mistake. A baseball bat is a careless and unprofessional way to perform a job, and it's clear he'd gotten too cocky in his limited experience. It's better to be overly careful than cocky and reckless. To use the right tool for the job. That's a principle. Methodology principle number 35 proper tools for the appropriate applications. This is never a baseball bat. The senior techs say it best. A baseball bat is for baseball. Alex is a known basher, meaning he likes to do his jobs with blunt objects. The advantage of bashing is the decreased need for accuracy, but the drawback is the potential for a big mess. And a bat is a terrible instrument to bash with. Everything for lack of concealability to the extra space it takes to wield it. After this is over, he'll have to seriously rethink his methods. Unless there is no after this. Man, what the hell are you using a bat for? Don't you have a crackjack in there? Yeah, it was dumb. I know it was. It, it's just kind of, oh, it's a bad habit. Fernando shakes his head and peeks out the windshield for unwanted attention. Methodology principle number twenty. Awareness of surroundings. Nobody anywhere. ''All right, let's have a look,'' Fernando says. ''I'll grab the cleaner,'' I say. We walk up the stairs to the porch. You can smell the blood before we even get to the screen door. ''Bro, you gotta be kidding me,'' says Fernando. He opens the door and I take a deep breath of fresh air before I go in. Inside, it looks like the set of a slasher film. Smears on the tile floor, spatter on the walls, bloody footprints on the carpet beyond the kitchen both the victims and Alex's, a bloody handprint of the calendar hung on the refrigerator door, as though marking down some special occasion. Alex looks ashamed, like a kid who's just broken a window. Bro, this is amateur shit right here, man. I know, I know it. Out in the dining room, a table is collapsed on splayed legs, a red stucco mess down the middle, broken dishes A bloody tablecloth bunched up on the floor, glops of aborted matter all over the carpet. A strangeness suddenly comes over me as I realize how much of the man I am seeing before I see the man himself. Sometimes it's these little oddities that leave the biggest impressions on me. At times I find myself thinking, you know, this really is the strangest job. Last week I took the family to the mall. Ashley and I and the kids were sitting in front of Orange Julius and I was watching the two girls behind the counter make milkshakes and ice cream sundaes for a group of carefree teenagers. The twins were enjoying their ice cream and I was thinking, what a pleasant job those two young ladies have. I pictured that one of those girls marries some old rich guy, maybe a guy with a lot of money and not much else. She has an affair with the young handsome pool boy Maybe realizes she made a big mistake marrying the old man after all. But that's alright. She can divorce the guy and make out like a bandit. Right? Some long, ugly divorce proceedings later, Fernando and I find her name on our clipboard one morning. Customer requests suffering. Please bash. Picture confirmed. Thanks. There are 43 work methods to follow as a technician of Pale Horse of the Apocalypse, Inc., I kind of added my own unofficial principle number forty four. Leave work at work. It's easier something done, but I do make it a point to try. Fernando says it becomes easier with experience, but I watched those girls pouring strawberry syrup over the ice cream with those dark, wet chunks of strawberries, and no matter how hard I tried not to picture it, all I saw were those clots of gore that end up everywhere when you bash a guy's brains all over the place. Simmons usually does those jobs. He's got these Mark McGuire arms. uses a pipe bender. The real Strawberry Sunday is in the living room. Back on Maple Street in Turnersville is a job murdered so neatly and professionally it could have been filmed for a PHA instructional video. This one, however, was fit for a gag reel. The scene is reminiscent of the Big Bang itself. A great explosion of organic material... Proper bashing kills have been likened to flipping a stake on a grill. One flip. That's one strike on one side, one on the other side if needed. No more. Unless you've got one of those Simmons jobs where you were supposed to make a great big mess. The man, African-American, age indeterminable by his present condition, looks as though Alex had struck him two dozen times. One of our little rules not acknowledged in methodology for the sake of political correctness, is not to bash African-Americans. They are thought to have particularly durable heads. PHA does not condone or tolerate racial insensitivity, but after a number of blunders like this in the past, it's practically implied. She smeared his brother all over the house, man. I know it. Never again with the bat. Bro, you'll be lucky if there is an again. Well, you don't think they'll fire him, do you? I say. Fernando shakes his head. Dude, we'll do what we can, so I can tell you. That's an honest mistake, man, protests Alex. You honestly broke like ten work methods, bro. You got matches? Yeah, yeah, says Alex, and reaches into his pocket. Throw one on the table there. No, you know what? Put one on the mailbox. He stands, hands on his hips, assessing the apocalyptic mess... Put two on the mailbox, bro. Two? Alex says. We're gonna be here a while, bro. And if they're gone before we're done, you're putting out another one. I'll do it, I say. Alex sighs but offers no argument. He hands me two matchbooks. On the flag of the mailbox, man, says Fernando. If there is one. If not, just make it kind of visible. All right, I say. I walk nonchalantly to the mailbox, checking my surroundings, checking for faces and windows, stopped cars, exhaust plumes, brake lights, etc. Methodology Principle Number 20 Awareness of Surroundings I open the matchbook and put it around the flag and close it so the red PHA is easily visible. It holds there nicely. I can only imagine the feeling a cop would have seeing one of these little red logos... I still get excited at the sight of a $1 bill on the ground, and we technicians make an above-average living. For a cop, it would be like finding a $5,000 bill. Imagine that. Not too bad at all. Methodology principle number 39. Discretionary use of matchbooks. I slide open the door and gather all the stuff in the cargo area we might need so I won't have to come out again for more before we're post-jobbed. Methodology Principle Number 6 The right way the first time. I roll the drum out the back of the vehicle and set it on its wheels and put in all the cleaning stuff and roll it up to the porch. I grab both handles and walk it carefully up the steps, maintaining the natural curve of my spine and establishing firm footing with each step. Methodology Principle Number 32 Proper lifting and lowering guidelines. Inside, the guys had gotten most of the corpse on plastic. Fernando was spraying bloodbuster solutions on the walls and had set Alex to deal with all the particularly icky stuff, notably brains, and he's scratching bits of gore out of the carpet and into properly indicated biohazard bags. Methodology principle number 42. Proper containerization equipment. While Fernando works in the walls, I fire up the carpet cleaner. I hear the clink of bone fragments sucking up the intake and catching on the filter the sudsy water running pink up the hose sometimes gushing plain red it's amazing sometimes to see how much liquid can come out of a person it's 1.30 by the time we're carrying the full barrel down the porch steps Alex and I hoisted onto the back of the truck and slanted across the time smooth diamond plate Fernando was barking at his wife on the phone in Spanish thanks guys says Alex "That's alright Fernando flips the phone closed and stuffs it in his pocket. Then he frowns and pulls it back out and dials again. You have much more to do today? asks Alex. One more in Newton. Fernando is waddling down the driveway, phone at his ear, gesturing with his free hand the way he always does when he's worked up. I figure he's probably trying to get out of the Newton job. I'm thinking about switching to popping, says Alex. Fernando teach you how to do it? I've only done backup, I say. But yeah, he's teaching me. Alex is staring at his boots, playing with the gravel. You practice at home on anything? Nah, my wife thinks I'm a warehouse manager. She'd start to wonder if I started stabbing dummy heads in the garage. And she's probably looking for an excuse to get rid of me anyway. Oh, that's right, I forgot you're married. Yeah. Alex is one of those single guys you don't know whether to pity or envy for it. Either way, it's easy to hate them. Fernando comes back, the phone closed in his hand. All right, man, you get to go home early and we get to do more work. They're bringing me in? Yeah, that's what they told me to tell you. Terry said to bring coffee on the way back. Hmm. Am I in trouble? I don't know. Light with cream and a sweet and low. Alex doesn't answer, just walks dejectedly down the driveway, walking it off. I'm rolling the carpet cleaner back to our truck when he comes back. They're gone, he says. What's gone? The matchbooks, both of them. Oh, no kidding. It's probably that damn carpet cleaner, says Fern. I think probably dimmed all the lights in the neighborhood. Someone called the cops. Did you tell them we matched out? Says Alex. I told them you flopped two books, but it needed to be done. He's wiping down his hairy arms with a shop towel. Could have been worse, man. And this was a two-tiered job, so it's not a loss or anything. Fifteen grand at least. His phone rings yet again. He frowns and answers it. Yeah, Claire. Yeah? Fern is smiling now. Sure, that's a great idea. <laughs> Why didn't I think of that? Yeah, ma'am, I'll tell him. Okay, bye. He hangs up. Okay, Alex. They're bringing you in. But first, you gotta pick something up. Um, besides coffee? Yeah, besides coffee. Fern punches Chapman's address into Alex's GPS and tells him where we left the matchbooks so we can grab them on the way out. With that, Alex is off to Maple Street in Turnersville, It's going to be a while before poor Alex is back on the road again, and by that time, he should have very different sensibilities. As we pull away from the house, though, something occurs to me. Fern? Yeah, bro? How the hell is Alex going to get Chapman out of the house and into a barrel by himself? Fernando pauses, then wheezes laughter. He's a professional, man. He'll figure it out. Well, if he throws out his back, at least he'll have a couple of months to rest it. At least a couple. <sighs> That's funny, bro. I picture the mammoth man lying next to his good Chianti stain. Let's hope he puts those bookends back. Part 3 A day in the life of a pale horse of the Apocalypse, Ink technician, or as my co-workers like to call it, Another Day in Paradise, begins at 9 a.m., Each team, usually a veteran and an apprentice, is given an agenda, which may include a combination of killing, stakeouts, and or assists, in what dispatch estimate should amount to a suitable workday. As you might have guessed, they're hardly ever on the money. One day, you might get back to home base with three full barrels by early afternoon, and the next, you might roll in at 9 p.m., with nothing but assists to show for it. If a particular workday is important to you... A PHA technician is not your type of job. Regular recertifications are required, so it isn't unusual to be relegated to training rather than sent out on the road. You can expect to be sent to training three or four times a month, or for extended periods if you screwed something up, like Alex had. In this way, training doubles as a form of discipline. Some of these training recertifications include methodology, biohazard and disposal, Form and formalities, tools and applications, and practical safety. Methodology, if you haven't figured it out by now, is the set of principles by which we work. Each technician is expected to memorize all 43 of them, their explanations included, and were routinely quizzed at random. Most of us can rattle them off without a problem, but mastering the principle on a practical level requires years of repetition. Putting them into practice and repeating them until they become second nature... Fernando is a good example of a technician whose instincts have been modeled around proper methodology. Whether he can recite them or not has no bearing on his work at this point. He just knows them. Biohazard and disposal certifications include blood and body fluid safety and canning. The cans, corn-based 60-gallon drums, are used for carrying back, transporting, and disposing of corpses. These drums are handled under strict guidelines during transportation, both back to the hub and out to the incineration station. I've never been to the incineration station. Fernando has. He says the corn based barrels and flesh burning smells like a cookout. Form and formalities is a brief certification, but changes the most often. Those matchbooks are the basis of our formal dealings with the law, they aren't discussed between police and agencies. Only quietly redeemed for cash, five thousand bucks piece, and ten thousand for the black ones. The potential for these payoffs is factored into the cost of the job and paid for by the customer. Think of it as insurance. The incentive to keep the system quiet, unabused, and effective is self-evident. Practical safety is another pretty easy one. Bites, cuts, sprains and strains, etc. Safety precautions and equipment. Most of the veteran guys have bite scars. A man in his death throes can bite like a pit bull. Fernando and I were in the last practical class together, and the trainer had borrowed him as a kind of visual aid. I knew he'd been bitten a couple times, but it turned out he had bite scars all over him. At least ten still visible. One on his forearm was from choking a chinless man. This was so long ago he hadn't even started popping yet. He had a few on each leg from pinning attempts and one on his shoulder from a sloppy maneuver he couldn't quite explain. This in itself was telling. If you can't explain what happened, your technique was likely improper. The point of this display? Methodology principle number one. Technique. 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 Interestingly, with all these methods and principles, you'd think we'd have specific tools training, but no, we don't. Tools and techniques attain legitimacy through repeated successes, tried and true methods, like Fernando's Screw-A-Driver or Olivetti's Choke are both good examples. Every technician has his own strengths and weaknesses and will adapt these successful tools and techniques into what works best for him. Bad, loud, or excessively destructive weapons are prohibited. But if creative freedom is allowed anywhere at PHA... It is in this area. We walk into Fortissimo Restaurant at 3.15, more or less on schedule. Fernando has on his plain red cap, the one with the camera embedded in the brim. He's in a fine mood now. Looks like he's going to be on time for love night after all. This is a stakeout. Most of the time, at least two stakeouts are performed prior to a Zone 3 job, like commercial. This is also a Tier 2 job subject to be left unseen. jobs like these are prepared for carefully by the time the technician comes in for lunch he'll have all the information he needs without ever having shown his face here prior the target is the proprietor John Frizzelli the job has mafia written all over it organized crime related hits are out of alignment with our code of ethics but the money for his own three tier two job is too much for our sales team not to feign ignorance Tier 2, Zone 3, is almost always stink of organized crime. When somebody wants a body to be left in public, it is more often than not to make a point. The unspoken truth is, where highly professional jobs need to be carried out, PHA is the industry standard. Carrying out your own mob-related hits in this day and age is akin to filing your own tax returns. When there's a lot at stake, the obvious choice for anyone with money is PHA. So... Ethical or not, we end up with our share of mob jobs. What Would you say as this one? Fernando says. Olivetti. Big Oliver. I bet he grabs some lunch first. Well, we'll report on the food too. The host leads us to a booth and I sit facing the door. Fern orders an antipasto appetizer. He shifts uncomfortably in his seat and reaches down and pulls out his screwdriver and it on the table next to his silverware. why don't you bring that?' I say. He shrugs. Principle two, bro.' "'Methodology principle two. "'Preparedness. "'Always be prepared.' "'Fair enough. "'But could you put it somewhere else? "'It's clean, man.' Right? "'I know, it, it just doesn't belong on the table next to the silverware. "'God, what's wrong with you? "'Seriously. "'All right, all right, I'll put it in my sock.' He leans to the side and tucks the screwdriver in his black dress sock. Your table manners have a lot to be desired, Fern. Frankly, you've got no business in a nice place like this. He chuckles. I'm just a country boy. Give me a break. A Costa Rican country boy? I say. Yeah, bro. There's two kinds of us down there, man. The country ones and the city ones. I'm from out in the country. We didn't even have electricity growing up, man. Is that right? Yeah, bro, just candles. No TV? Do you know a TV that runs on candles, man? I grin. So, what did you do for entertainment? He has to think about this for a minute, then his face shows the recollection of a fond memory. Do you know what I did? You tie tin cans together, then you tie them to a horse's tail, and then you slap the horse in the ass and it runs like crazy. They're scared shitless with the cans clank around. <laughs> Funny shit, man. I mean, that's mostly what we did. I let this sink in for a minute. That's what you did for fun. Jam, eh? Yeah, we always had tin cans. That's what we used to hold the candles up, man. A few minutes later, I'm sketching a rough layout of the dining room in my notebook and Fernando is looking around with his hat on, taking video footage. The waiter comes by with our appetizer and drinks. And we tell him, to his visible dismay, that that's all we'll be having today. We've got work to do. The front door opens and a gigantic, well-dressed figure enters. Gigantic? Well-dressed. Invisibly annoyed. The host approaches him while I watch. It isn't long before I realize whom I'm looking at. That's the guy. There. Fernando tilts a shiny butter knife on end and looks in the reflection behind him. If it were anyone but Fernando, I'd have told him. Don't look now, but... But Fern is a pro. You sure, man? I nod. I'd studied the pictures in the work order. There's no mistaking the profile alone. The back of his neck bulges with obscene bunches of fat. He makes Chapman look like a fitness model, a walrus of a man. He's a big boy, Fernando says, still gazing into the side of the knife. Frizzelli is chastising the host somehow. I put in my earbud to listen along. A Bluetooth device attached to my recorder. I'm curious to hear what the hubbub is about. Fernando watches along in the reflection. Can't you do anything by yourself? How am I supposed to trust you to keep this place running if you can't handle a fucking toilet? I'm sorry. I tried the plunger. If it was a plunger thing, we wouldn't be having this conversation, believe me. Ain't there anyone you can call for shit like this? Well... Yeah, but I thought you might want to look at it before some gavon comes in here and charges us who knows how much. What are you? A fucking idiot? No, sir, I just... What do I say about taking initiative? You said to take initiative. What did I say about it? Am I speaking fucking Chinese here? No, sir. That is the core of fucking management. If you can't take fucking initiative, how are you supposed to fucking manage? I understand, sir. I will from now on, I promise. Lesson learned. He's fucking perturbed. I say. I can tell, mate. I nod. Said there's a problem with the bathroom or something? I hand Fern the Bluetooth earbud. He listens amusedly and watches the exchange continue. After a while, he sets the knife down. There's gonna be a problem, mate. Olivetti's a choker. Fernando has that look on his face. The gears grinding. I nod in understanding. He doesn't mean Olivetti is the type to fold under pressure. He's referring to the way Olivetti kills his marks. Choking is one of the few bloodless kills on the menu, making him a popular choice for his own three jobs where post-jobbing needs to be done in a hurry. These jobs are usually performed in quiet private areas. Bathrooms are a good choice. Mercifully, Frizzelli would be left on scene moving a body that big is a lofty endeavor. All this kills are chokes, I say. Hates blood. Fern bends an eyebrow at me. Can you picture choking that guy, man? I look at Frizzelli. I try picturing my legs around his midsection, a forearm clamped under his chin. Even in my imagination, I can't do it. As if Frizzelli somehow senses my thoughts, he glances over. Quickly, I look down. You're right. I say, you can't choke out that guy. That's one big fucker right there, man. They say Olive could strangle a bull. Fernando chuckles. He could, bro. I seen him. The guy's good, but a bull has a neck. We watch in the bar mirror as Fazelli walks to the back. The waiter comes by to check if we haven't changed our minds about ordering entrees. Fern tells him we're fine. He leaves and Fern pulls out his phone. I'm calling Olive, man. Here? Just keep an eye out, man. I hear Olivetti's phone ringing through the receiver. I pop a bruschetta in my mouth. Olive, it's Fernando. He speaks quietly, checking constantly for anyone within earshot. No one around. No patrons. No waiter. Like four hundred pounds, bro. No shit. You can't do the guy, man, seriously. It's not a good idea. He's got no neck or anything. Yeah, and if you end up under him, yeah, well... or oh, if you want. I know, bro, I'll split it with you. Either right way, bro. Okay. This goes on for a minute before they have an agreement. Fernando hangs up. I'm gonna do him, Fern says. We're splitting the check. All right. When's it scheduled? Fernando bends an eyebrow at me. Hold on, I say. You... You mean now. Methodology principle 26, bro. Methodology principle number 26. Don't hesitate. Trust your instincts. Olive can do this guy, bro. He needs to be popped. He takes the screwdriver and slides it back under his belt. And there goes my heart. So much for an easy stakeout. You're crazy, Fern. Jesus. Roselli's ass is sticking out of the stall when we enter the men's room. ''Shit is out of order,'' Frizzelli says, hearing our footsteps. ''Piss is fine.'' Fernando waddles ahead of me and motions for me to stand at the urinal. I face the wall and pretend to use it. Fern knocks on the partition and Frizzelli steps backwards out of the stall. ''You gentlemen all right?'' ''Yeah.'' ''Sorry, I didn't mean to bother you, sir. Just wanted to ask, are you happy with your current wine distributor?'' Frizzelli looks tentatively relieved, then annoyed. ''Believe me, Chico, you couldn't compete with my distributor. You delivery guys?'' ''I have that feeling in my thighs, that sour weakness. I can hear my own heartbeat. Everything looks sharper, has a tinge of blue, and I see my reflection in the chrome of the urinal's flush lever. Behind me, the black of an enormous suit jacket. ''Well, we are offering a free case to any new potential clients, today only.'' Fernando's voice shows no sign of stress. For the life of me, I don't know how the hell he does it. And me? Why the hell am I doing this? I'm supposed to be a novelist, a professor, I'm something. Oh yeah? Rizzelli smooths down his lapels and steps forward. What kind of vino are we talking here? Fernando has his eye on Frizzelli's shirt. What well, about that stain, man. Rizzelli glances down. That's my cue. There will be no second chance to do this right. I turn from the urino and jump on Fizelli's calf and swing my arm around his neck just as Fern lunges in. In one smooth motion I grab the bicep of my other arm and squeeze. All at once, I understand why Fernando had deemed this man unchokable. He doesn't budge at all under my weight. It's like hanging onto a brick wall. If he were to get his hands on me, I'd be helpless. Right on schedule. Frizzelli's head bounds backwards, and I know Fernando has struck. Thank God. But something's wrong. Fernando's shoe had squeaked on the tile floor. I'd heard it. He'd slipped. Shit, says Fernando. And just like that, Frizzelli bucks me off his back like an angry bull. I bounce against the partition and land on my feet, but I'm disoriented, and I nearly slip myself. Frizelli stumbles and lands with his back in the urinal, snapping wall tiles like crackers. Somewhere the screwdriver clanks to the floor. Fernando is scrambling to hone in on it. Suddenly, I meet eyes with Frizzelli, an attitude of murder where there'd normally be astonishment. Not astonished at all. In a glance I know he'd been half expecting this. Above his eyebrow an obscene tear in the flesh of his forehead, Fern had missed his mark. It happens in a literal heartbeat. The skin splits wide, shrinking back over the bone. For a moment, you're not sure if it's going to bleed at all. Then, all at once, ribbons of blood. Before you know it, it seems like gallons of it are everywhere. The eyebrows, for reasons unknown, are direct portals to the circulatory system. All this had taken place in under two seconds, but the irony of Fernando slipping in his thin-soled sneakers... It occurred to us both immediately, and things are about to get even more slippery. You dead fuck, says Frizzelli, reaching into his jacket. I bolt for the stall, my body electric with adrenaline, bracing for the gunshot I knew was coming. But here comes Fern. He butterfly smacks Frizzelli's wrist, sending the gun skittering across the floor. It careens off the wall and under the partition, knocking the lost screwdriver into view. I pick it up. There's a bit of flesh still dangling from the blade. You filthy prick! Frizzelli swings a fist. Fern parries, nearly slips again. Blood is pouring in buckets, and his sneakers are slick with it. But here I come, sneaking up behind Frizzelli in my non-slip boots. My instincts taking over. Fern's drills play in my mind. His work on the dummies back at the hub. You don't have to hit hard, man. Just connect. Connect let the screwdriver do the work thinking too much is what always fucks me up stabbing someone in the brain for the eye isn't unlike connecting with a golf ball or throwing a dart you don't want to think about it too much just focus on the target and make contact heels planted I bring the screwdriver around Fizeli's giant head and plug it in the blade connects with the rear of the socket one light out he spins to face me Fern wastes no time He's on his back like a monkey. Frazelli reaches up and grabs hold of Fernando's left ear. Fern yelps but doesn't let go. He grabs a handful of Frizzelli's jacket and steps on the back of his leg. An audible snap, and Frazelli is forced to take a knee. Fern stretches the fabric across his mouth and nose. Goddamn. Kick the balls, bro. Kick the balls! I wind up and drive my boot into Frazelli's crotch. And again... Muffled moans from under the fabric. He lets go of Fernando's ear. Fernando arches his back and forces him backwards. They crash down, tile cracking. Fern is sitting behind him, choking him with his own collar, knees against his shoulders for leverage. Frizzelli's face is turning purple. Just like that, I've taken the lead. I straddle Frizzelli and pound the heel of the screwdriver until it sinks to the hilt. Then I stir chipping away the thin bone of the eye socket. He vibrates, his circuits firing random impulses. Soon the resistance eases, a sensation like a fork in a bowl of jello. I keep stirring. My forearm burns with the acid of exertion. I realize I'm grinding my teeth. Eventually, he is still. Fernando lets go of the jacket and gets to his feet. He rubs his ear. Good job, man. God damn. I'm too wound up to answer. I feel a little like my own brains have been stirred. This one's a thirty-seven, he Thanks. You alright? Yeah, bro. He pulls his screwdriver out and kicks Frazelli's head sideways. Clots of brain dribble out onto the floor. A grimace frozen on Frazelli's mouth. A picture is worth a thousand words. That wasn't always a cliche, mind you. It used to be Confucius. When I survey my condition, as we've been trained to do after a disagreeable job, we both managed to stay surprisingly clean, considering the mess. Fern's hairy forearms are smeared from the struggle, but he has on short sleeves and can wash them off in the sink. I have blood on my hands and the seat of my pants, but that's no big deal either. Considering the cataclysmic condition of the bathroom, we managed to walk back into the dining room looking relatively professional. They're going to have to find someone else to fix the toilet. Methodology principle number 32. Proper form and formalities. Fifteen minutes later, Fernando and I are sitting at the table, eating the rest of the bruschetta. Fern sips his mint tea, reading a folded section of the paper he'd grabbed on the way out of the bathroom. He texted Olivetti. All done. Tell you about it later. Waiting for the cops. A smile comes across his face exposing the silver lining of his veneers. Fucking Hagar, bro. I used to love this one. Here, check it out. He turns the paper around so I can read it. Helga, Hagar's wife, is waiting at home for him to return from work. For the wife of a Viking, a violent, thieving killer, Helga is pretty easygoing, turning a blind eye to her husband's wicked ways and waiting patiently for him to return so that they and their daughter... Can enjoy some semblance of family life Hagar comes home drunk again having spent a night at the pub undoubtedly attempting to sterilize his soiled conscience with alcohol perhaps he is unable to face his family hoping they'll be asleep by the time he got back but Helga is fed up with Hagar's nonsense she'd had it up to here Helga says something to Hagar and he says something back I never get the chance to read the real dialogue the speech bubbles seem empty to me Maybe Hagar needs to shape up or ship out. She's sick of his reprobate behavior. But reprobate behavior was Hagar's job. He was only trying to forget it. Maybe drinking the way he did was the only way to adhere to Principle 44. To leave work at work. Fern's expecting a chuckle, but I'm lost in my imagination at the moment. Because it occurs to me suddenly how similar... All at once red and blue lights wash over the bar. The police... Fernando watches through the mirrors and pops an antipasto in his mouth and sits back and wipes his hands in the cloth napkin. Just look down, me. Just listen. I nod and flip to another page of the paper. Two policemen enter and the manager hurries over and gestures exasperatedly, motioning to the bathroom. The cops look about, and I look down at the paper. Fernando lifts his arm and rubs the top of his bald head. The high is 90 degrees today, I read... 84 tomorrow. I don't look up. I don't need to. I can feel the cops looking at us. More lights and the door opens, but I keep my eyes on the paper. The employees are whispering hurriedly, the sound of sturdy boots moving to the back of the restaurant. The manager nervously scurries here and there. Slower steps now. Two sets of heavy boots approaching the table. Fernando and I couldn't appear more ignorant, just enjoying a leisurely afternoon Afternoon, folks, one cop says, a young rookie, his voice a fabricated baritone. The other officer seems more comfortable, an older fellow with a gray mustache. Comfortable, until a vague look of recognition shows in his eyes. Afternoon, officer, says Fernando, with too many syllables. He peeks outside, pretending to notice the lights for the first time. Did I park illegally, sir? No, sir, there's been an incident. We're going to need to bring you down to the station for some questioning. Questioning? Feel free to join us here. Fernando pushes out a chair and motions for them to sit down. The young cop shakes his head and opens his mouth to speak. Fernando interrupts him. Are we in any kind of danger? Not now, sir, no danger at all, but I'm afraid I must insist you... The older cop steps in, his hand on the young man's back. Gentlemen, have you noticed anything out of the ordinary here this afternoon? Fernando looks at me. I shrug and he looks back at the officer. No, nothing unusual? Besides this unusually delicious antipasto appetizer? He offers some to the cops. The young one holds up his palms. The older one allows a smile. Any evidence, perhaps? Anything we ought to have a look at? The younger cop looks quizzically at his partner, as if he were witnessing some police procedure he missed at the academy. Now that you mention it, says Fernando, you know what? I found these on the table. He takes two P.H.A. matchbooks out of his breast pocket and puts them on the table. The cop widens his eyes at them, then picks them up and puts them in his pocket. Hmm, thank you. I'll submit these for evidence. Glad to help? You two ought to hurry along, the officer says, to make way for the detectives. I would hate to get in the way. Come on, man. What's have you go off the side door there, eh? Don't worry about the check. More cherries light up the mirror behind the bar. It's about to get pretty busy in here. No problema. Let's go, bro. Part 4 We're over the county line by 4.30, on pace to punch out before 5.30. Not only had we gotten all our work done, but someone else's botched job as well. Fernando was happy because he'd have no trouble getting home on time for love night. And I'm a bit enamored with myself for my first successful pop job. On a true bad guy, no less. I almost hate to admit it, but I'm proud of myself. I wasn't supposed to be a technician, you know. I was supposed to be a novelist. Maybe a professor. (laughs) Hmm. Something like that. Fernando's phone rings a little way down the highway. He looks at the number and frowns, which means it must be the office. ''Yeah?'' ''What?'' ''Oh. Oh, hell no. You know Wednesdays are bad, bro?'' ''Oh. Oh, yeah?'' ''How are you gonna make it work my while?'' He sits listening quietly for a minute. My mind is still back at Fortissimo. ''You know, the more I think about it, the most distasteful part of the job wasn't what you'd think. It wasn't the violence. It wasn't the blood. I've seen bathtubs full of blood today.'' It was the fresh-faced, brand-new cop, set out to uproot and destroy evil, having his world turned upside down. Everything he thought was sacred, tossed to the dogs. The realization that right and wrong don't matter nearly as much as he thought they did. I'm sure he's sitting quietly in the passenger seat of his cruiser right now, thinking back to Ethics 101, struggling to pair what just took place with the philosophies of Immanuel Kant, of Aristotle, of Aristotle of Friedrich Nietzsche. Everyone has to lose their innocence eventually, I suppose. Observe, officer. There are no oysters. There are no pearls. But what red-blooded American man, ethical or not, millennial or not, can't find a pearl in a pile of 5,000 clams? Distasteful. Yes, no argument there. But by my age, most people would wipe their ass with an entire Ethics 101 textbook before they soiled a single dollar. Dude, aren't you serious? Fernando is still on the phone with the office. What is it? I ask. He doesn't answer me. Bro, but you gotta be kidding me. What is it? I ask again. He glances at me a moment, but he's still listening. Yeah, I know Principal Thirty-One, bro, but... But I principle 31 is an important one one of the few principles you could be fired for not following methodology principle number 31 work as directed not following this principle is insubordination obviously they're pinning another job on us Fern looks pissed but the fight is going out of him I take out my own phone and sit there looking at it There'll be no love night at my house either way, but we normally get out pretty early on Wednesdays and I watch the kids while Ashley goes out doing who knows what. I ought to call her and let her know I may be home a little later than usual. I should, but I don't. I just don't care. A half day, every Wednesday for a month, that's what I want, says Fernando. For doing one more job today? I ask. But Fernando gestures at me to be quiet. I look down at my phone. It occurs to me that a month's worth of early Wednesdays means a month's worth of Wednesdays that I'll be home early. Home with the girls. Playing tea time and princesses and dress up. And Ashley will be there. Silent and sullen. The underlying truth always resonating in the walls. It's not hate. It's worse. More like nothing than hate. Like a vacuum. You can't talk in a vacuum. You can't hear in a vacuum. You can't breathe in a vacuum. There was a time in my life I would have been excited for a half day in the middle of the work week. Hump day, right fellas? But now, I don't want to go home. The truth, and I know how it sounds, is that part of me never wants to go home again. Fernando swings onto exit 12, jarring me from my thoughts. Sorry, I was daydreaming, I say. It's alright, man. What's wrong? You sound a little forlorn all of a sudden. He doesn't answer. I decide not to pry. So, what are we doing? I ask. Last minute job. Fast one? Yeah, it'll be quick. I promise. No hurry for me. There's no love night in my house, Fern. No love lost in my house. Yeah, no man. We're quiet for a while. Headed west on the service road quiet road why you never tried love night man I've been telling you about it forever I snorted that forever I've only known you for eight months and Ashley and I were past the point of no return by then that's a shame man it's the life of Hagar you know is that another one of your quotes nah the comic like the one you showed me at fortissimo like Hagar how's that man Mm, you know The guy's out plundering and pillaging, doing ugly stuff all day, Then you just can't manage principle 44. Principle 44? Yeah, remember? That's kind of my own principle. Oh, right. Don't bring the work home with you. I try not to. The late day air is cooler now, providing some relief. Still, the day's sweat just dries on you, leaving you sticky. The trees are thick along the service road. I smack a mosquito that lands on my arm. I think I'm pretty good at it, I say, but I don't think it matters much. These days, I just try not to bring home to work. Fernando regards me with either condescension or sympathy, I can't tell which. And like Principle Forty Four, I don't suppose it makes a difference. What Hagar still care?s Me? I don't know how hard he tries, but he still cares. Oh, I don't know. You think so? Yeah, bro. I wouldn't laugh if you didn't. There's nothing funny about that. We were quiet for a while while he drove. I took out my phone again and looked at it and scrolled to Ashley's icon. The picture is the same one I've had since the beginning. I remember taking it. The two of us at the Olive Garden. That was an extravagant dinner for us back then. We had no money. No money. But we had something else. What was so different now, anyway? What had been so different for such a long time? Why did we let it happen? I've told myself time and time again that it just happens. But does it really? Or is it a cop-out? It hadn't happened to Fernando and his wife? Is it possible for Ashley and me to get to a point again where we could have our own love night? I mean, we'd never call it that. That's, <laughs> that's too corny, but... Maybe date night? We can afford a babysitter now. We can even afford a truly extravagant dinner. We could. But maybe i just start by taking her back to the Olive Garden. Maybe that's what we could do. Try starting over again. My thumb hovers over Ashley's icon. It hovers there, then withdraws. I shut off the screen and put the phone down on my thigh and hold it there a minute. Then... I put it back in my pocket. Hmm. Maybe tomorrow. Maybe tomorrow I'll try caring. That's always the best time to turn over a new leaf, isn't it? Tomorrow? You think it's even fixable? I ask Fern. He sighs. you just run out of options the longer you go, man. Eventually, I guess. Maybe you'll just run out of options altogether. Yeah, I say. We pull over in an old, wooded lot. The sun is behind the tree line now, and it's a relief. It's been a long, hot, blood-soaked Wednesday. You gotta take a leak or anything? Fern says. Nah, I'm fine, I say. I'll be close? Yeah. Fernando stretches his arms overhead. It gave me a month's worth of Wednesdays off. Off? No kidding. I reconsider my idea... Wednesday's off. Maybe I could make a project out of it. Hmm. Family day? I could talk a lot, even if I don't want to. I could be thoughtful. Say nice things. I wouldn't think about work. I'd tell Ashley she looked nice, even if I didn't think so. And the kids. I do stuff with the kids, but mostly I try to focus on Ashley. I try to see her the way I used to. I try... I'm off Wednesdays too then? I asked hopefully. Yeah, you too, man. Are they paying you? One kill's worth a day. Oh, that's great, man. Yeah. Quiet on the road, only the faint white noise of the highway in the distance. The sweat is drying under my scratchy polyester clothes and the residual blood on the seat of my pants feels tacky on the canvas jump seat. The worn diamond plate floor of the old truck... Blue stuff rocking back and forth in the opaque plastic windshield washer tank. Old bolts rolling down the road one by one. Each day the things we take for granted slowly disintegrate. All guys like us really have is our families to come home to. The smell of dinner when we open the door. The adoring kids. So happy to see daddy come home again. That's why we do this in the first place. Isn't it? The realization hits me like a shock. Just like that, I understand. The folly of my ways has never been so completely obvious. Clear as day. It's me. I'm the asshole. This whole time, I've been the problem. I have to fix my marriage before it's too late. God. By now, she probably wants me dead. Fernando, I've been thinking... He's turned to face me now, his feet planted flat on the floor, his hands in his lap. Bro, he said. What? That is some stain on your shirt. You've been listening to The Technicians by author Jeff Sturtevant. Wow. Wow. If that's what it's like in the field, I'd sure hate to see what the complaints department looks like. (laughs) I'd like to personally thank you for joining me for this episode of Horror Hill. Don't forget to tune in again next week, when I yet again regale you with a handful of tales to terrify, plumbed from the most depraved depths of the human imagination. The Technicians was written by and brought to you courtesy of author Jeff Sturtevant. Jeff Sturtevant is a winner of the 2018 ABR Listener's Choice Award for Best Humor Entry for his audiobook production of Occupational Hazards, The Blue Collar Omnibus. He writes about the absurd, the macabre, and general strangeness of the human experience. When he isn't writing, he drives a brown truck... ...and delivers packages. When he isn't doing that... ...he's usually getting into trouble. If you see him, avoid him. But do buy his books... ...because they're really quite good. For more information about Jeff and his books... ...and to pick up a copy of them today... ...visit his website at flexfiction.com. You won't be sorry you did. If you enjoyed what you've heard on today's program... Please take a moment to stop by our iTunes page or wherever else you listen to your favorite podcasts and leave us a five-star review and a kind word. It makes a huge difference. It would mean a lot to me. If you'd like to hear a premium ad-free edition of tonight's and all of our other episodes, visit simplyscarypodcast.com today and click the Patrons link in the menu at the top of the screen. You'll find yourself at chillingtalesfordarknights.com where you can become a patron for as little as $5 per month and get access to our entire audio archive dating back to 2012, including past episodes of this program, all of our other shows, and hundreds of standalone releases, all of them ad-free and available to download or stream. Thanks so much for your time and for giving our sponsors a try today. When you support our sponsors, you help support this show. And that means a lot to me. If you happen to use Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube, you can follow and subscribe to Chilling Tales for Dark Nights there, where you'll get all of our latest updates and new releases and have the chance to interact with us each and every week. You'll find me personally on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. Until next week, listener, when we meet up once again atop the Horror Hill for yet another dance with darkness i bid you good night sleep tight listener and whatever you do if you hear scratching at your door don't open it the darkness may offend you but it's up to you to let it in Jason Hill. Selected stories have been adapted with the kind permission of their respective authors. Original music provided by Felipe Ojeda, Luke Hodgkinson, and Jesse Cornett. Final mixing and mastering by executive producer and director Craig Groshak. The program's artwork by yours truly, Jason Hill. Logo by Craig Groshak. Got a terrifying tale of your own that you like performed? I take submissions. Email it to us today at submissions at simplyscarypodcast.com to have your work considered for production in a future episode of this show. That's submissions at simplyscarypodcast.com. If you enjoyed what you heard on tonight's program and are joining us on your favorite podcast app, subscribe to us to be sure you never miss an episode and leave us a five-star review and a comment. Your feedback means a lot to me. You can also follow Chilling Tales for Dark Nights and yours truly on social media to connect any and get the latest updates on this and our other programs. If you're listening on the Chilling Tales for Dark Nights YouTube channel, do us a favor and hit the subscribe button and the bell notification icon for Chilling Tales for Dark Nights as well to get more spooky tales from me and the crew and another episode of this program each and every week. And don't forget to hit the thumbs up button to tell us how we're doing, and leave a kind word. And don't forget to visit us at ChillingTalesForDarkNights.com and consider supporting the team by becoming a patron. In addition to helping us out, you'll get exclusive access to our audio archive and ad-free downloads of all your favorite stories, including those you've heard on this program. As for me, I'll be back next week with more terrifying tales to keep you up all night. If darkness is what you're after, listener, your search is over. Yet, let it be known, you haven't found the darkness. The darkness has found you.